Hey guys, what's up? This is Dean Kane, aka Visual Waste, and you're listening to the Best of Belfast podcast. guys what's the crack matthew here with the best of belfast podcast episode number four on this week's show we hear the story of dean kane the northern irish street artist also known as visual waste over the past few years dean has been responsible for some of the most iconic murals paintings and street pieces in belfast and around the country visual waste is a household name in the street art scene both locally and globally thanks to viral videos art shows exceptional talent and a lot of hustle we caught up with Dean to hear more about his journey so far. If you'd like to hear more about Visual Waste and even see some of Dean's work live in the flesh, you can come to our next meetup, which is planned for the 24th of September at 2pm, meeting in St. Dan's Square, where we'll begin a street art crawl led and guided by Dean himself. Full details are on our website, bestofbelfast.org, where you can also find a written version and photos of this story. Also, I have to apologise for the background noise in the first 10 minutes. I left a wee window open, but thankfully we spotted it. Just bear with us, it does get better. That's enough for me. It's time to jump into today's show, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. Dean, what's the crack? What is the crack, Ma? Thanks for having me down here in this swagged out chair. It's so good to see you, and honestly, that chair is pretty badass. I'm going to have to put a wee photo up of that somewhere. Yeah, people need to see this. <laughs> I'll actually get an Insta story going later on. So, Dean, the question we always like to start off with is, what's your elevator pitch? Let's say you opened up a lift in good old Liam Neeson or somebody was standing there. You had one lift journey up to introduce yourself. How would you do it? What would you say? <laughs> that is, that's a tough one. Uh, see, I come from a background of all this kind of stuff and I've completely left it behind me. Elevator pitch. I, I would probably, you know, lead in with like... Um, something in common with the person you know you have to know who it is first you know so if, if it was Liam Neeson I'd talk about Tekken I'd be like that was a deadly film bro loved it have you seen all the memes that are of you how cool would it be to get that painted somewhere yeah that actually would be a sweet mural somewhere in well, Belfast yeah. Liam Neeson yeah Liam if you're listening hit us up alright yeah 074 <laughs> sweet so you mentioned you have a background and all that sort of stuff what were you referring to uh, my seals. I used to work in seals. I used to work in graphic design. I used to pull apple shots off apple trees. You know, worked in a petrol station. I've worked in loads of different places, but there's always been a seals element to it. So um, always used to always being on the pitch. So it's kind of something that's engraved in me. You know, so if I meet a client or you know I'm I'm bidding for work or you know doing something like that, there's always that that backbone there to, to you know to give you the extra hustle the sort of instead of the arty forty kind of you know I really feel that this would be fantastic you know you sort of there's there's certain things that you have to get across to people to you have to understand what they want at the end of the day too you know so Dean how did you get into street art street art is something that came about as a result of dabbling in graffiti so for a long time I me and a bunch of mates all wrote BMX so we were constantly in environments that you were surrounded by graffiti like old rundown areas and skate parks and things like that not so much here but it was more in Europe we would travel quite a bit and you would get your eyes completely open to what was going on in, in them cities just through the graffiti and, and the and the bits of street art that were sort of there so dabbled with graffiti for a long time you know um, vandalism <laughs> I'm not allowed about it like writing letters so it was all good, you know, everyone sort of, your peers that you were doing it with all understood what you were getting at and what you were doing and they, they could read your tag and stuff, but there was limitations to it, you know, there was, it was it was definitely, it is, still is an acquired taste, you know, there's it's a 50-50 split, there's people who love it, people who hate it, and at the time I was obviously, you know, doing art and design and, and I was always trying to sort of merged the two the whole graffiti element on on the stuff i was doing at school just because i enjoyed it you know so street art was kind of the only way of of making art with a spray can communicate to a wider audience so i got the best of both worlds and i could sort of keep you know teacher stuff happy by 
doing early based things and I got to use Spreadcan, so it was it was a win win, you know. So what was your closest call whenever you were out graffitiing? Oh yeah. In Craig Avon there was a wee skate park that the council had got us and had the, the back of the ramps that let us paint one day. And I was travelling back through the cycle path. There's a cycle path that runs back to where, where I lived. And we'd stopped where I don't know what we were doing. We took a break anyway. I think someone got a puncture or something on the bikes and uh, the next thing the police rolled up and I had a backpack full of spray paint. But with a with a spray paint, you know, you remove your caps. So I knew you had that kind of as a response to why do you have these so I said I was painting my bike anyway to the, the policeman who was he was fine he was dead on he wasn't like chasing me or anything like that he was he was he turned out to be a nice guy but um I had explained to him that we we're painting the bikes and that we didn't have any caps which we didn't actually because I'd used all the caps at the park so I showed him the can and explained to him about the the way the caps come off and we had none on us so we weren't vandalizing you know the the cycle path so he was dead on he led us away with it like so and then we went back to Tagging up the whole way home. <laughs> what would you usually tag? Would All you sorts of things. Yeah, what I would have done a bit of that, and then I'd done a bit of like um, the, the, one of one of the album covers, Rage Against the Machine album covers, was a, was a pretty prolific artist. But it was like outlines of people and then quotes and things beside that. I used to write stupid things I like got from songs and different things that you know popped into my head. So it was never really the conventional graffiti artist to start off with. You know, it was always everything was always changing because I was never really happy with staying with the same sort of comfortable level I was always trying to switch it up and keep it interesting for myself you know yeah so all the pieces we see around Belfast you know you obviously got the likes of Botanic you've got the Cathedral Quarter are all that stuff is all that stuff legal or have some people just painted murals and pictures on the side of buildings without permission or is it all permission based what's the crack with that it'll be a mixture of things so it goes back to the whole like graffiti and street art thing so I mean get graffiti which is the letters which the majority of you probably can't read you know it's, it just looks like it just looks like an explosion of color on a wall but then you'll get the mural based stuff as well um so it's more kind of visually striking it's it sort of makes you think of different things it, it kind of makes you question certain things inside that environment um but essentially like you can usually tell by the quality of the thing if it's been done with permission or not. So if you see a tag that's sort of half done, you know, or a piece that's just the outline of it or something, they're usually illegal, yeah. Um, or they're in progress. You know, somebody's going to come back and, and fix it. So it is a real mashed up thing. Like, like at the minute now, the way it stands, the majority of the stuff has been painted with permission, but you'll still get the odd wee bit in there, here and there, you know, sort of crap looking stuff and then you know some of some of it is good too like i mean there's people people sort of get the misinterpretation that you know if they want to be a street artist that they have to go and paint it illegally and that usually results in really poor quality work because you're rushing you're working under pressure and and you just don't get the result you want and it puts a lot of people off and then they're saying you know oh i can't do it you know i'm no good at it but essentially what you want to do is do it somewhere that you're comfortable in that you have permission and that you have the time to put into it because like the pieces that you see that are just outlines and things like that are maybe done inside five seconds but the big murals like are you know some of them take a very long time to do so it just doesn't happen there and then you know but uh I don't know. I mean, you would really need to take me down to the places and say, "Is that illegal or not?" I'll be able to tell you. You know, yeah. I, you know, I know the the artist who's painted that. Or no, it wasn't. It was uh, done illegally. You know. Do you have any of your old graffiti still up? You don't need to tell us where. Like, I don't want the council coming after you. But <laughs> uh, do you ever walk past something you're like, "Oh, I remember that." There's a few things. There's a few different wee things floating about, tags and things like that. And uh, there's actually there's a bin in a premises that was done. And every bin day you see it, it comes out, you know, if I'm passing in the city, it always gives me a chuckle, you know, <laughs> scrawled on the side of a bin, you know. Yeah. So how did you transition from tagging to visual waste? You know, that's a bit of a broad question, but tell us a wee bit about that journey. Where it came about was um, the whole kind of transition into street art and then discovering stencils and, and really looking at, at sort of artists that were becoming very popular at the time too the, the likes of Shepard Furry and, and Banksy and uh, really emulate what they're doing you know in terms of like they have went from the whole street art thing to a more commercial element of it um, but w what I learned from sort of focusing on them guys was that they were turning down a lot of jobs that they thought didn't fit with their kind of whole vibe 
And that got me thinking, like, you know, who, who's doing these things? Because, you know, there always has to be someone to do something. You know, there's a man for everything. Uh, so I would imagine that a lot of that work was going, you know, to maybe people who didn't know what they were at or maybe they just went for billboards or vectored images or something like that. So there was definitely a really big gap in the, in the market for it, um, especially over here where, you know, murals are, are super popular with the tourists over here. And they're not necessarily saying what we want them to say. So, like, somebody has to do that too. Somebody has to, you know, speak for the for the millennials here in our city and, and say what they feel, what they're thinking, you know, things that they'll want to interact with and share on their social media. At the time, I was dabbling with different wee things and people were commissioning me for, like, canvases and just, just kind of menial wee things you would do in your spare time. I was working a full-time job at the time. And... What I found was that I was getting more and more sort of commissions and, and different we sort of live paint things with different uh, councils and stuff like that. And I was booking annual leave to these things, you know, because it was what I wanted to do. You know, I didn't want to work in that job. So I just really, just one day, like after my, after my daughter was born, I was on paternity and, and I was driving back into the place and it was it was just everything was going through my head. Like, after, like I was going to do some kind of crazy shift, like a 3 to 11 shift or something, managing people, selling stuff and and just things that were just dictated to me all the time you know you have to do this and if you don't get it done there'll be repercussions and it just done my head and that kind of stuff like I'm, I'm I know there's rules but like I want to make the rules you know what I mean yeah <laughs> so yeah I was questioning everything when I was going in and I got into the place and walked in and just heard the hustle bustle of the whole place and that smell of the of the hot computer machines heated up and I just I just cracked i just went into the canteen got a napkin and wrote on wrote on it like to whom it may concern i'd like to thank you for you know offering me this job and it's been great and it's nothing to do with anyone in here i just want to change change my path and i literally handed it to a guy and he was standing with his mouth open and i just walked out <laughs> i didn't even i didn't even speak to him i just handed it because i knew like a, these guys are probably going to try and talk me out of it you know so no, I just left, like, and, and that was it was the best thing I ever done. So I had, like, literally my last pay slip at the end of that week to try and set up a business. So got a website on, got on the Google, registered a domain, and I think I had already made a Facebook, but there was no real serious amount of work on it. And then I made an Instagram, too. I didn't have an Instagram at the time, either. So I had been doing work, but not promoting it actively or anything like that, and everything was sort of... It was just, like, personal work for myself, and... Taking that step into putting it into the into the sort of public realm give me the push as well to start thinking differently in terms of like if when you're making art and you're making it where it's going to be geared towards people and it's going to be put on social media and it's going to be very public it just changed my whole perspective on street art and painting and you know really really um made me think differently which even still now it's constantly changing how you know, you've got like you've got the vlogging and stuff too so um thinking of ways of painting the pieces that are interesting to people while watching it on video and things like that so it's cool like it's a uh, something that like if i were to have sat down while i was in the job and tried to write a business plan out and say i'm going to do these things it would have never happened that way like it just would not have happened i've kind of just stumbled upon it and, and it's gathered momentum and you know, like now where i'm at is really comfortable level you know i've got work lined up for the next three years you know i've i was i met with people this week who are looking work in 2023 as wow. well you know <laughs> it's, it's just uh it's something that you, you can't really plan it i think what happened was i was just really passionate about making art at the core of it all that's what drove me like that's what still does drive me i want to make things that stop people in their tracks and go holy I need to photograph this and share it with everyone, you know. And, like, if people can pay me to do it, even better, you know. And, and that's something that, that just constantly, it just constantly keeps the ball rolling, you know. Each piece has to be better than, than the last. Just finished it. I'm sitting here. You can't really see. I'm going to show Matt. My hands are bright red. I've just finished up a piece. I haven't put it on yet. I'm dying to put it on online, <laughs> like. Um, but that, that's what drives me. It's not about the money. It's not about saying well done it's it's a it's that interest getting that online and people going holy well, can i go see this where can where can i go see this that's that's the the whole driving force behind it all yeah that's definitely something very signature about you that i've noticed is that a lot of your pieces almost go viral like you hear of viral videos you hear of viral facebook posts but in some ways you've created 
viral street art. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, that that's another thing that sort of came about with the whole like never using social media like i never had a personal account or anything like that the whole way through our college through high school um i wasn't using social media so i wasn't aware of the power behind it you know and it completely changed as i said it completely changed the way i made art now what i do is there's always that social element to it that i have to include the only way that people are gonna spread your name as an artist is by sharing it through social media and you can engage like global audiences which is fascinating like you know if we go rewind right back to the graffiti you're talking about four or five people that lived around the area you were doing you were doing it in that that knew about it you know now you've got this these platforms to just elevate yourself you know what do you think your top three pieces are in terms of popularity the most iconic the most popular um this year right the most popular pieces this year that I've painted are I painted Donald Trump on the side of a Mexican burrito bar part of 10 square so 10 square was being renovated at the time and they had to build a big massive wall around the front of the restaurant the week it opened and I was they met with me and they were like can you uh, can you paint also a sign to say we're open and I was like mate this is so hilarious that these are a Mexican restaurant and these are getting built around us he was like, oh, I know, it's funny. And I goes, why don't we paint Donald Trump outside and write something like, you know, let's make burritos badass again. And he was like, oh, I don't know. Don't know if the manager will be down for that. And I was like, oh, all right, okay. So I left that meeting thinking, you know, oh, it's not going to happen. There's no way that's going to happen. Because I do them kind of pitches all the time to people and it's just two out there. People are like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks. <laughs> and it never really materializes. Um, but this one did. He got back to me and he said, the guy that owns 10 square was like this is class you know let's let's go for it so I painted that up yeah and it, it went mental on on instagram and and the youtube video done all right um super popular even the banter when i was painting it like the people coming up and, <laughs> and just slagging them off and telling funny stories and there was loads of americans too who were kind of like first of all they were kind of bewildered that somebody was spray painting outside the hotel but once they actually because i always chat make sure i chat to people when i'm painting because like a dude standing with spray cans with red fingers <laughs> and a gas mask as you cut as your first sort of experience as you come out <laughs> in the city <laughs> i'm always very aware of that you know especially with kids and stuff i'll always take it off and, and make sure i speak to them because um that can that can kind of ingrain in their minds and yeah. be like i'm never going back there um so you have to have to be careful too but uh it was good to paint something that was kind of politically charged but there was a lot of humor in it the humor outweighed the political side of it you know so it's cool yeah uh, the second the second most popular one i think is it's a, a portrait i painted on conor mcgregor uh, it was actually a, a test spray on a piece of cardboard and it's something i want to go back to actually because uh, what i done was i cut through the cardboard after it was painted to leave rips in it so it tur- the result of that was kind of cool and that's again playing on the whole visual waste thing so it's like a visual that's on a piece of waste yeah you know but it done really popular too on instagram i reshared it there off when the night of the fight and it did blew up again like you know that's cool it's ironic too because it's just a trashy piece of of cardboard you know that I actually i give away i was clearing out the studio and one of the lads who works with my brother was walking past and he goes here do you want that mate and he was like, I. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he, didn't, he, he didn't even tag me or nothing. I was like, yeah, tag me on it, sure, you know, on Facebook and stuff. And he didn't even do it. <laughs> Nightmare. Terrible. That's what you get when you give stuff away for free, isn't it? Yeah. What about your John Snow mural? Mm. Is that on Garfield Street or, sorry, was on Garfield Street? It was on Garfield Street. Yeah. Lower Garfield. Um, that was another one that, that was one that I, that was a piece that I wanted to paint. Um, Big fan of Game of Thrones, still am. So it was something that there was a serious lack of. There was no, when I looked around, there was no real street art pieces that, that were of good quality anyway. Um, so I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll paint this guy, Jon Snow, because he's the king of the north and we'll paint him on North Street. So it was, I made a wee plan and all, you know, because <laughs> I made a video for it. So when, I, when I'm making videos, I like to try and make a bit of a plan and have a bit of a story to it as well. So that it's kind of, it's a bit more tangible for people to understand because 
a lot of street art people go, well, what, what's it doing there? Why is it there? What's it for? You know, they, they need they need answers in order to sort of <laughs> have, have a reason in their head. So called the piece King of the North, painted him on North Street, and painted him like wielding a massive sword in his, in his war sort of outfit, and uh, made a video of it, stuck it on YouTube, and within three hours it had 13,000 views. And it's like, what is going on here? That's insane. So uh, with YouTube, you're two days behind. So you, as soon as you put a video up, you can't see where, because a lot of the stuff is from out, you know other sites and stuff referring it. So it had been picked up by Wiki of Thrones, um, other American, big American site that does it does three different things. I think it does like entertainment, uh, the NFL, and something else. And they had picked it up as well, and it, it was just flooding in with views. The amount of people that were sort of watching it and staying engaged, like the the engagement on that video was unreal because it's kind of like it was one of the first ones I'd done that's completely time lapsed everything there's nothing taken out of it each layer is there you know the whole process is there basically of it being painted but it's sped up into like two minutes <laughs> so this this piece which took me i would say 40 hours to cut out maybe more i can't remember the exact time but it took a long time to cut out and it's painted in two minutes so people are like whoa look at that like that's crazy you know it just appears and done really good on youtube done really good on instagram and everything as well and it was just you know, you get stuck in a rut doing things and it was just something that, that it was the start of the year. I wanted to sort of get a bit of creativity out there something for myself, you know, that, that uh, keeps things interesting too. So that wasn't a commission piece. I, you know, I, I funded that myself, but I don't know under my own free time. You say free time, like a, it's, it, it's a rare thing, you know, like free time is like the only time I get free time is like when there's no signal somewhere <laughs> or the phone dies. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's free time now. Like. Is Garfield Street fair game or what's the crack with that? Garfield, lower Garfield Street, it's pretty much fair game. Yeah, I mean, the way it exists now, it's covered in it. It's constantly changing. Um, so it, it would be fair game. You know, nobody has the right of that building to paint on. So, and I think because of Ether and Echo are directly across from it so um they don't mind as long as it's good so they they don't care as long as the stuff you're painting is good a funny story on the back of painting that game of thrones one the guy the owner came out and um we've discussed a few things just recently again i've met him a few times from different jobs i'm doing with different clients but they're looking to commission more game of thrones stuff down there but we're going to elevate it we're going to have it nice and high so nobody can can touch it because yeah that's another thing i left out that piece was painted over mm. now to be fair right i painted over the guy that was on the shutter yeah okay so there's a whole territorial thing that goes with graffiti if you paint the piece and somebody paints over the top of your piece without telling you that they're going to do it or without you being cool about it you paint over them and vice versa so that's that's how it works and um, so that guy obviously watched the youtube video <laughs> <laughs> and was straight down like within 24 hours bombed over it um which is fair game. That's the rules. You know, that's that's the unwritten rules of graffiti. So I knew I was going over him because it was the only real sort of clean spot and flat part of the shutters that I could paint. Wasn't a job at him, but I guess, you know, can't complain about it. Although the bar did, the guy weren't very happy at all about it. Like they were out looking for the guy. So really? they were, yeah. Because they were loving it, like, you know, because it was, it's kind of the first piece that I've painted and where they can see them yeah. guys. I painted a Heisenberg on the other shutter and then a Better Call Saul further down, but them guys weren't aware of that. Or they probably had seen it, but it was because it was the bar, you know, obviously people who see it, they'll get a paint too. You know? Yeah. And it actually had become a wee bit of a tourist icon. Like I'd always walk past and I'd see, you know, German, French or whatever, and they'd be there taking selfies with it and all. And Yeah, it, it, it works great that way, you know, because... Obviously, these programs are translated into a range of different uh, languages and everyone gets them, everyone watches them. You know, they're not just popular here. So be on holiday somewhere and you can see something super familiar, which is something to keep in mind too. You know, the, when you're painting a piece, it has to be, it can't just be a local thing. It has to be global for the for the target that you're looking to hit. But yeah, it's nice to see people like that do that, you know, because that's what it's intended for. Uh, actually with a with a Kanye West piece that it was painted purposely for people to pose in front of so it's an interactive piece um 
I, I like his music. Um, I think he's a cool at sometimes when he's <laughs> when he's in the public eye, what it, stuff he says. But essentially, at the core of everything, what he is doing is making music to empower people, to give them the confidence to do things, you know, that they wouldn't necessarily do. And that's what that piece is doing, essentially, too. It's making people who would usually travel about photographing things and then, you know, uploading it. And, you know, it could be anyone took the photo because they're not in it. So it makes, it forces people to go interact with it and be in the photo and just have more confidence in themselves, too, you know. Which is it's produced some interesting results as well. If you if you go through the photos on Instagram, there's some crazy ones. Yeah, I think there's Samuel Lemon doing a backflip in front. There was a bunch of people at the show last week showed me they haven't put it online themselves, but just sent me it. Like I might share it. So on Mondays, I usually share other people's videos on it or photos on Instagram. But uh, they have dressed up as the entire cast of Twin Peaks and stood underneath <laughs> it. <laughs> Insane. So you mentioned about. Kanye's music is music that empowers people. Do you have a playlist or an album or even a single that you'll put on as like your hype song or a song that gets you pumped up or even just a go-to song or playlist? I have, yeah, I do. But what I do is in the studio, I'll either play through my iTunes, which is loads of like 80s and 90s hip hop, and I'll just put it on shuffle and let it play. Um, or I'll go through YouTube and I'll, I'll pick a song that I like and then just let YouTube pick the rest. Like, you know, at the minute, like I'm, I'm listening to a lot of little, 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 little <laughs> Yachi. He's, Yachi. He's cool, yeah. The whole thing that got me into him was one of his videos because it's like a giant meme. It's kind of one of them piss texts, but they're really funny, you know, and that's something that's super popular at the minute too. So I've been like watching meme pages and stuff on, on Facebook as well and getting totally into memes. Do you think you'll ever paint a meme? On the side of a building or as one of your pieces? Yeah, I think I will. I think I think I will. Um I have I have some that I've sketched up and the problem with them were they were too current. They have a short so, shelf life. So you have really to do. you have to be really on point with it and you have to be able to get it quick and get it up quick and get it shared. Um but it's something that definitely it really works and in terms of engagement, super, super good, yeah. I definitely would like to sort of come up with it's kind of hard because you know they have to be very um, socially charged they have to be really current and sometimes we can be a bit behind too you know with mm. with trends um, yeah. so it's timing it right you know like I painted like like way at the very very like four or five years ago I painted Heisenberg and people thought he was Jerry Adams do you know <laughs> what I mean <laughs> wearing a gas mask deadly and it was only like about six, seven months after I painted Better Call Saul, the people understood who he was as well. Mm. Um, so you can be too on point too sometimes in terms of engaging here, but like you get it on your on your social media, social media, people people get it. If you had to choose one person from Northern Ireland to do a mural of, who would it be? I've done a, I've done a, a bit of work recently with Colin Gaddis. And I think like... When we were talking about it at the start, we were sort of going back and forth and he was sending me over some images of him that he shot in his bedroom <laughs> or in his studio, sorry. And uh, they were just, even the photos were hilarious. I was laughing at them, like, you know, because he was posing in them, obviously making faces. And like, I was thinking like, this would be so good. I'm like 40 foot wide, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, it's uh, whether or not he had let me do it, you know, it, it, it would be maybe like, nah, mate, you're not, you're not doing that, you know? Yeah. Because Colin, he, uh, I love Colin's comedy. Like he's a, he's a great guy. I'd like to paint him, yeah. And then there's oh, there's tons. There's absolutely tons like um, of of people, not necessarily like superstars or, or really super you know popular people, but people that I know myself too. You know, like Colin, there's Colin, someone that someone that I've got to know um, for time. And there's a whole broad range of other people that I know that I, that I think would make really good portraits. So. It may be a case of, you know, like booking out a shoot room and, and getting some cool photographs of just people that I know and, and, and doing portraits of them, you know, and having wee stories behind them of like how I've met that person. And so it could be a whole different body of work, you know, because I mean, celebrities are all great and all and people share it and stuff. But, you know, you have to do things that are that make you whole as well as an artist, the things that are, you know, make you tick and and. Like I do a lot of commercial work and it can drain you sometimes creatively. So it's good to have like a wee project on the side that you dabble in and it still keeps the creativity going, you know? Definitely. And to slightly shift gears a wee bit, if you could go out for a coffee with somebody in Northern Ireland, who would you love to take out and have a chat with? There's a guy, right, that sits in Botanic. And I've I've just passed him a few times and said, all right, mate. But in passing him other times, I've heard him chatting with people. 
and they are like deep in these mad conversations i guess gay obviously is like super super academic with some of the stuff that he comes out with so he's somebody that i would find quite interesting you know i'd love to maybe grab a pint with him or a coffee or something that that would that would be the kind of thing that um that would i would be maybe draw some kind of inspiration out of that too there's loads of people like that as i'm saying as well like people that i would like to paint as well you know it's it's just like there's there's people who kind of you know in whatever way i've seen them or, or you know came across them it's made me think of something and um just the average joe on the street you know it's not like a, this big icon or something you know yeah and i actually think i know who you're talking about i'm pretty sure his name's cyril right yeah. and he sort of has become in my eyes anyway like one of these real local icons yeah like you know the trombolin man yeah like yeah. again like he's someone that everyone is familiar with and everyone knows who you're talking about yeah. but they're not a celebrity or they're not no famous, that's it yeah. but they're a real local yeah. sort of but they're always point. You're, you're going to a certain area you're going to see them and usually they're they're sitting chatting with someone or you know there's a bit of banter going on and it, it makes them interesting too because it's, yeah. it's oh, maybe it's the not knowing maybe you're safer just not knowing and yeah. just coming to assumptions yourself um but they're the kind of things that i that i enjoy yeah <laughs> And actually, now I think about it, you you sort of painted the Trumbullin Man, didn't you, in one of your, your yeah. harp murals? Yeah, it was <laughs> a, a commission with harp. That's, I'm still doing it at the minute. There's a series of murals um, all across Northern Ireland. And they, essentially, what they came to me with was the campaign is called Pure Here. So we want some murals based on the, what makes the area that you're painting in Pure Here. So that one was City Centre. So straight away, I had like a whole bunch of different things, like different um, locations and different things, the quirky things that I found interesting. A lot of them weren't used, <laughs> but um, the trombolin or trump, trumpet. What what did you say it was called? I the don't trump- know. I think it's a it's a it's, trombolin. It's, a, it's it, a trumpet and a violin. Yeah. So he sits outside Castle Court and he's always real interactive yeah. with everyone that goes past. Va- Vio trumpet or something. Yeah. yeah. So he was one that I really wanted to include. Yeah, because. They wanted they wanted it to be pure here, so like to me that is pure here. That guy pumping out the, the tunes from his thing <laughs> outside the the old um, what was that Virgin Megastores? I don't know what it is now. The, the old shop at the front, yeah. So I painted him into the mural, yeah, because I felt like he was pure here. You know, even though he's probably not from here, <laughs> I had to include him because he's always there. I was chatting with Carl um, Frampton about the mural and he was saying I can't believe you put him in that's great and I said I know and he goes to me does he know he's in it and I goes I don't know <laughs> <laughs> so I went up to him after after the launch of the mural and told him and showed him photographs and but he knows he's in it now yeah <laughs> nice so this is not I promise you guys this is not sponsored or anything but like what do you think is pure here like in Belfast, like what are the things about Belfast that you say, yes, this is iconic, this is Belfast, aside from the obvious? Pure here, to me, is is getting off a Great Victoria Street on the train and walking through the rain to a bar, and the bar is pumping, and people, this, the banter's going 90, you know, it's full of people, and a lot of people you know, a lot of people know your name. Um that would be pure here to me. Like that would be something like an experience, a pure here experience. What's your favorite thing about Belfast? Favorite thing would have to be the people, the people that are from Belfast. The people, and um, you know, it wouldn't be without the support of people and sharing my work that I'd be in the position of where I am. So, it definitely is. It's and a lot of even the tourists that you speak to is like, oh, the people are so friendly and. I think, you know, we take it for granted, you know, that uh, we are super, super friendly. You know, as I've traveled quite a bit, I was in Poland this year and I really noticed like how, you know, people aren't friendly sometimes as well, (laughs) especially if you're in the road or, you know, you're obstructing them. You know, we're over here a bit more patient and you can get a bit of banter out of them, you know. Like I spend a lot of time out in the street, you know, like uh, painting things and, and you know, I hang out with like when I'm on jobs and I'm, I'm working with like just general worker dudes, you know, like council workers and builders and things like that. And the crack you have is, is unreal. Like it's, it's, you know, it's definitely something that inspires me, me too when I'm, when I'm making art to, you know, that I know that it'll be accepted. I know that people will be sort of understanding of it and it, it allows me then to sort of push boundaries too, you know. Yeah, definitely. We've seen Belfast change 
a lot over the past, we'll say a few years, keep it fairly broad there. Where would you like to see Belfast go in the future? Do you have any ideas or even just dreams for Belfast of where we could go? What I would love to see, right, is obviously, you know, there's a lot of major global organizations down down south in Dublin. Like you've got Google and Facebook and places like that. And I'd love to see them come up here. Um, our technology industry at the minute is booming. Um, software development, things like that, are, are, it's like it's a huge industry. And it's getting loads of support. Um, so I'd love to see some of the real, the real, you know, um, big hitters come up here and, and just open up shop. I think us, you know, like we have the locations, we have the, the workers, you know, we may as well utilize it, like, you know, and... Plus, I love the painter offices. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, cho- if you could choose one big hitter as a client, who would you want to work for? Who would you love to paint the offices for? I think probably Google. Google would be a dream job. I'm saying that, like I'm saying that in a whole romant- romanticized kind of view on it. I'm sure that like there would be a big board of people that you were working with, and like loads of different companies involved. Um, it'd probably be a clean nightmare, but to have that on your portfolio, like that you've painted the Google office, I think, think early. Yeah, you can't really go much better than that. Can <laughs> no, you? no. Plus, you could then you get all the way back under. You could do a wee bit of Google magicry on your website yeah, and yeah. YouTube. Well, they own YouTube too, so they could definitely yeah, so be up that's, with that. That's what I'm saying. Nice <laughs> feature you or something. Uh, who are your biggest inspirations? Uh, mm. The one thing that inspires me the most would be kids. Uh, I'm a family. Um, without them, I like I said, I've never have had a family. I think I'd still be that guy doing graffiti. Not really motivated to elevate myself. I think you know, once you decide you're going to start a family, your whole perspective changes. Like everything, you have to hustle. Basically, you have to, especially when you're a self-employed graffiti artist. Like you, ha- <laughs> you have to, you just have to think differently. And I, I, that was, I think, the push that I needed. That my daughter coming along, and uh, without the support of my wife, then on the whole art side of things, I mean, I have different inspirations every day. I could be, I could draw inspiration from like an article on business, you know, that I'm reading. I, I could, you know watching a documentary about pottery and I get inspired I get inspired by some of the most random things like the other day I was looking at a coffee cup and it actually came up with a whole different perspective on a logo that I'm working on too just from the coffee cup um like going to like uh, vintage art places looking at old art uh salvage yards you know I've been to salvage yards and, and found inspiration there if I'm working on something what I like to do is completely immerse myself in it and you know get into the creative thinking of oh, completely around that brief so if you come to me and you say like I'm opening you know a coffee shop but it's kind of it's going to be this Italian inspired coffee shop I'll be going and watching old Italian films and reading like like getting samples out of Italian newspapers and like just whatever it takes for me to get into that line of thought um, and then somewhere in there I'll get a spark of inspiration and it'll just lead into this complete tantrum you know and, and arts produced at the end of it somehow yeah i don't know how it works like it's not something that you can be taught to do you know it just happens you know yeah you're just recently there just this month you made not necessarily a transition but you had the opportunity to switch from street art to it would be fine art and you put on a wee exhibition you want to tell us about that yeah so i've collaborated with bush mills there recently to do an art show so them guys came to me a good while ago and they said to me like we're celebrating people who have took alternative paths in life so they've followed their their basically their dreams and then it's working for them essentially so they said to me like we, we know what, what what you're doing and we love your work and we'd love to work with you so basically they, they just put the ball in my court and said what do you want to do and i kind of thought about it and i had a whole load of different things like i thought right i'll just paint this massive mural it'll be it'll be unreal and then the more i thought about it i thought like that's what that's predictable you know that's going to be like everyone'll be like all right another mural great um not necessarily like that they probably will be <laughs> buzzing about it like but yeah i thought like let's switch it up and keep it interesting because i do like to switch it up all the time and, and obviously you know try new things and because they were celebrating people who have obviously rolled, rolled the dice and you know said right i'm gonna go do my own thing 
I thought, well, I'll do it again. I'll do a fine art exhibition. You know, why not? Because, like, I mean, it's the whole thing is they're celebrating people who are doing this. I'll just do it again live for them, you know. Yeah. So I uh, put together the, the, the art show and, and um, we've done it down in the gallery on the Dublin Road. It's on show now. Uh, all the pieces are, are for sale. Um, so you can actually own a piece of visual waste. But I, d- I definitely enjoyed it, although it was kind of, it was tough working on all the paintings because every day that I went into the studio, they were all there in front of me. Usually when I pa- paint a piece, it's away somewhere in the city or in someone else's premises, so I'm not looking at it every day. Now, w- what happened there was I realised with the paintings being there every day that I was constantly changing them and constantly going in and dabbling and going back to the first one, even though it was finished and changing things. And uh, I got to a point where I just had the lack of them you know, and, and put them in another room because I was just spend too much time on them. So it was kind of like a learning curve there, like of like any artist at all that's working on art will really, there is no time when it's finished. They're just kind of left, if you know what I mean. There's, yeah. there's no real finished paintings, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. It was definitely like a learning curve, being able to produce the amount of work in a, in a short period of time. And produce it to the quality of like where someone would want to buy and put it in, in their house. It was kind of surreal, like going and having an official opening and everything and like being like, here, here's the, the art pieces, go and look at them. And you were there, you probably realized that I didn't even go up the stairs. Like I didn't want to talk to people about them because, you know, kind of one of them things, like you paint the street art pieces and you just leave them there and you get out of the road and you let people do what they want with them. Um, well, the art pieces I had to sort of <laughs> hang about and see yeah. what people thought, but no, that everyone loved them. Like it was, it was cool, and people, um, some people got to see the stuff up close instead of just on social media, and and they can find it, they can go to the gallery and see it. You know, it's on for another wee while, so it was cool. Yeah, yeah, it was an awesome night, and the pieces were cracker. Do you have a favorite out of all of them? I think the f- the favorite one for me was the Dolly painting, um, sheerly because. I had travelled to Amsterdam at the start of this year and painted him on the side of a place called NSDM. It's an old like ship wharf where they made like military ships, but it's being transformed into the uh, Mural Art Hall of Fame next year, and that piece is right on the side of it. So it's a, it's a cool wee thing because the pieces the the painting is exactly the same as the piece. A wee bit, wee bit of refinement has went into the painting like four or five times, but the the piece matches the the painting, so it's cool. Like so, there's that whole, you know, from wall to canvas element of it, which people can can understand. Yeah. If you could choose one place in Belfast to paint a mural, where would it be? If the I don't know whoever owns Belfast, but they came with the keys <laughs> of the city to you and said, "Look, Dean, would love you to paint anywhere you want. You can do whatever you want. Where would it be?" And maybe even what would it be? There is like a few walls in and around Commercial Court. Is it Commercial Court? Where the Mac is in and around there? St. Anne's Square. Square, yeah. There's a few walls in there, like really, really big walls that just because of the sheer scale of them, they're huge and they're unobstructed. So there's nothing in front of them. So you would be able to get amazing shots of, of them. You know, it would just look fantastic with the buildings behind them and everything. And the, the sheer scale of the work. I think the biggest biggest wall of painted to date is 40 foot by 30 foot uh, like they, these things are like 60 by 100 and something like these are huge walls like you know huge huge projects but I, w- I would love to do that just sheerly because it'll be going bigger than what i've done before yeah but i've actually got that wall i'm gonna be painting it <laughs> yeah unbelievable for culture night yes yeah <laughs> and i don't know what i'm gonna paint on it but Where'd the name Visual Waste come from? How'd you come up with that? So Visual Waste was really to do with um, the diaries that I was keeping. I would keep a visual diary. I still do today. And what I was doing with them was just constantly sketching down ideas, grabbing things that I've seen, you know, whilst working on things and ripping them out and sticking them into a book. And essentially at the end of that book, like when I would have got to the end of it, I just filed them away. You know, um, they're put in a box and I'll go back to them. Like if I'm th- like if I think right in August I was doing this job and I came up with a couple of different ideas that I never used, I'll go back to them that way. So I use them, you know, myself, but nobody ever sees them. So I stopped calling them visual diaries and started writing on them visual waste. And 
essentially then when I started working outdoors and putting work outside in the public realm, like down alleyways and wherever I could fit it, <laughs> it was basically like waste, you know, the way people like fly tip or dump waste. So I was dumping visuals, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and like wherever I could, um, so there were visual wastes. So yeah. yeah. You mentioned you went to our college. Where'd you go? I went to Armagh College. Um, I done my A levels there, and then I went to York Street here in Belfast. Done my degree in graphic design. Nice one. And I mean, I'm asking you, sort of already known the answer. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Like I was when I was there in first year, it was great. Student union was open and all, and then started the renovation work and like second and third year were kind of like you were never really in the school you were just sort of more working from home which is cool because it, it kind of got you into the way of being able to you know manage your time better yeah. <laughs> than drinking in the student <laughs> union <laughs> exactly uh, a phrase that i've only ever heard come from you is the term mac monkey yeah i love that yeah. do you want to explain what that means you never heard that before no never heard that before, mac no. monkey so that's that's someone who works on a mac in a design obviously a design job and they produce work for someone else. You know what I mean? They're, they're someone who is skilled at something. You know, they're skilled at maybe producing the logos or layouts or something like that, but they're doing it for someone else. You know, someone's dictating to them how to do it. Um, they're creatively whipped, basically. Creatively whipped Mac monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> and you yourself are a self-identified ex-Mac monkey. Yeah, I'm an ex-one who, who left who left the pack yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and went out on his own. Now, now I just do the Mac, Mac monkey and for myself yeah hey so a lot of people often comment that they're surprised about how much of a family man you are how yeah. do you balance work life hustle life the creative life with the family that that's a really good question that that's something that i actually haven't found balance for <laughs> everything is just usually intertwined um so like I'll be painting something and the kids will come along and I'll see them for a wee while and then we'll do something after, grab lunch. So it's kind of like, you know, we all work it out in the family unit, like getting time for each other. Um, but like art is a huge part of everyone's life in my family. Like uh, we surround ourselves with art and we're not the standard kind of family, you know, kids, they're like super arty kids already. Um, which is something like, you know, that I think's great. It, it doesn't just help them with like, you know, the, the basics of drawing and, and learning letters and stuff. I think it gives people a lot of confidence in themselves too, to, to just rock up and draw stuff. So in my house, there's like loads of paper hanging off walls and blackboards and things for the kids to muck around on. So I guess we're just this big arty bunch, you know, and like it never really seems like having to create it. I never really think that we have to create a balance. I think it just all works, you know. And have you ever done any art for them or are their bedrooms absolutely sick or, you uh -huh. know, imagine what it, the perks of having visual waste is your dad. Yeah, well, it's good and bad because it constantly changes. Um so we've went for like the, the, both the kids had like murals but the, the, the stuff that, that, that was in the murals is they're not into it no more so they want different ones so we've just went for like we're doing on pages now so but the, the, they like helping out too so it's more the, the looking at it and thinking that they've done it and I've helped them do it and it's you know that we captured in a, in a drawing or a painting or something is, is amazing you know the, there are things that you you know you can't Obviously, if you're working your nine to five, you're not going to get to do stuff like that. Like, That's you know? it, yeah. What's up on the wall at the minute? What's the, the phase they're going through? We've got Paw Patrol on one. We've got Chase and uh, Rocky. He's popular. And then Unicorns from a daughter. She's big time into Unicorns. So we've got all kinds of like... Threw one the other day of like... a of, of I've seen it on a t-shirt or something. It's farting out like stuff, like, <laughs> like glittery stuff out of his butt. And she, <laughs> she actually... She had been watching... Uh, there's a scene in Trolls where one of the one of the characters gets scared and and farts out cupcakes. So she went in and added the cupcakes to it. So unbelievable! So that, that wee creative thing is is, is cool. Like that we creative collabs with a three year old. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> if you could take the Dean Kane who was just about to start York Street Art College Art for Coffee today, what advice would you give him, or what would you tell him? Oh, that, that's a real good one. I would say stay true to what been doing and don't let people try and sort of box you into the category so that you know somebody don't let don't listen to people who are saying right well you you're good at this so go and do that because 
that is the biggest mistake I think people make is they think I'm good at this I'm going to stick at it I'm going to keep doing it until someone pays me to do it and not actually explore other areas Um, whatever you're told in school or you know whatever uh, they're teaching you it's not necessarily what you have to do you're just being given a skill that you can then put your own spin on what advice would you give someone who's looking to start a business start their own hustle or even get into the art scene these days well, I say it's a really good time to be getting into the art scene at the minute. It's a lot more accepted. Um, there is a lot more people coming up. You know, we've got like creative, got creative collectives coming out of the out of the universities. And you know, what what I'm seeing is a lot of a lot of creatives who are coming out of York Street are sort of bunching together and starting their own wee firms, which is amazing. Um, in terms of like going out into the real world with the support of each other, that's that's a great thing to see happening. Um, but I would say like. If you have, uh, if you're passionate about what you're doing, um, stick with it and keep doing it because a lot of people will go their whole lives and never really identify something they're passionate about. They're they're being they're boxing themselves in and doing what they're told to do, um, and they'll maybe do their their passion in their spare time. So if you've identified that passion, I would say go full tilt at it and really explore it because essentially, like you know, the life isn't very long, so you yeah. may as well you may as well give it a go. Like. And at what point, what's the tipping point between a side hustle becoming your main hustle? Well, you, you have to make it that. You can't, you know, like the misinterpretation you get when you're at our college or university is that someone is going to come along and grab your hand and say, you're brilliant. Come and work for me. Or, you know, you're really good at this. We're going to give you a bunch of money to do this every day. That doesn't happen. You have to go and get it yourself. Nobody's going to hand it to you, so you have to you have to hustle to get it. So identify the passion and then hustle for it, and it, it just it works. I mean, it's worked for me. <laughs> so, Dean, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can connect with me everywhere. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> uh, it's a shortened version on Twitter. Viz Waste. I'm on YouTube. You search the channel is Visual Waste. Uh, Instagram and Visual Waste, and Facebook is Visual Waste Artist. Yo, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. Another quick plug for the Street Art Crawl with Visual Waste on the 24th of September. Be sure to RSVP on our website if you want to come to that. We have over 30 signups so far, so it should be a pretty good time. Again, thanks so much to Dean for coming on the show. Be sure to check him out on YouTube and Instagram at Visual Waste. I also want to give a massive shout out to the Belfast based band Wanderers for the intro and outro song, Light It Up. We had the absolute privilege of hearing it live last week and it's safe to say they are one of the best upcoming bands in Belfast right now. So be sure to check them out on Instagram, show them some love at Wanderers NI and give them a listen on YouTube or Spotify. They've assured me that their first EP is coming soon, so we'll keep a wee out for that too. Other than that, thanks so much for listening. My name's Matthew and until next time, all the best. All the best.